Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 19 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Thanks for joining us today. When Melissa Jacobus adopted her children, she believed all her prayers for a family had finally been answered. But while other parents were dealing with the usual challenges that come with raising children, Melissa experienced those challenges tenfold. The accomplice follows several years of her life as two of her children, now grown in the eyes of society, yet still cloaked by an invisible disability, struggle to survive in a world that doesn't understand them, their needs, or their disability. Substance abuse, homelessness, jail time, and worse can be all too common outcomes for those impacted by FASD, also known as fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. As Melissa tries to advocate and safeguard her children, From these outcomes, she realizes her ability to help them and others is at the mercy of an uninformed society. The accomplice is a call to action for the country to acknowledge FASD for what it is, a developmental disability that affects millions, and to help society recognize that this invisible disability is more than visible, it's a crisis. The Accomplice Book by Melissa Jacobus is available where you find your good books. You can also find The Accomplice in the resources section of FASDHope.com. Today, I'll be speaking with Melissa Jacobus, author of the book, The Accomplice. Melissa has been advocating for her adopted children and the rights of all individuals with FASD since 1998. At the national level, she is a parent advocate and member of the Justice Task Force for the National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome, or NOFAS. She serves on the advisory committee for the FASD communities and served as a member of the Speakers Bureau for the Center of Disease Control's Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders Southeast Regional Training Center. In 2019, Melissa was inducted into the NOFAS Tom and Linda Daschle FASD Hall of Fame. Melissa is also active at the state level in Georgia. Among her accomplishments, in 2012, She presented at the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities Suicide Prevention Program and the Supreme Court of Georgia's Committee on Justice for Children. In 2013, her work led Governor Deal to designate September 9th as FASD Awareness Day, which has continued under the current governor, Brian Kemp. Melissa co-led the 2018 Atlanta training on FASD at the State Bar of Georgia. In May of 2021, she published a book about FASD advocacy titled The Accomplice. 
Melissa received a Bachelor of Science in Broadcasting from the University of Florida. She worked for the Tribune Broadcasting Company and was awarded the company's highest honor for customer service before resigning in 1997 to devote herself full-time to raising awareness and understanding of FASD. She resides in Atlanta, Georgia. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Psalm 143, verse 10. I love being a podcaster for the FASD community. I love it. I have to tell you, I meet the most amazing, wonderful people, whether they be parent advocates, self-advocates, professionals, clinicians. I love my job. So this is just a forward to this, this conversation that's about to happen. I have been chatting with today's guest for almost 45 minutes, and I feel like I've known her for years. And I read her book, The Accomplice, which is on the FASDHope.com resources page. And it's also available in Amazon. And um, it's, it's an amazing journey. What... Melissa does is she shares what she knows, the knowledge bombs about FASD, what she's learned, the alliances she's made, and then her story, which is 33 chapters of real faith, real hope, but also real life, which I think we all need to acknowledge on this journey. So I am honored today to bring you my new friend and fellow advocate, fellow mama bear advocate, or as she puts it, military style helicopter, military style precision helicopter mom, which I love that. I'm going to own that. Melissa Jacobus, welcome to FASDO. Thank you, Natalie, my new friend. Um, And thanks for, uh, an incredible intro into this podcast. And it just, it warms my heart and brings me to happy tears to know that this information is getting out there to other parents, caregivers, and those impacted in many different ways to help. So thank you for inviting me to be on this podcast. Thank you, Melissa. I am so honored to have you here today and to talk about your amazing book. I've been sending Melissa emails of of me getting through her book, and I lost count after 75 post-it tabs of things that I wanted to ask her and base our questions off of because her her book is just, it's it's real. It's not sugar-coated at all but it's filled with hope and faith in there. It's infused. And then what I love about your book, Melissa, is that you're sharing a part of your children's, your family's journey. I say children, your, your young adults journey, and you'll share something and then you'll throw an FASD fact in there to reinforce what's happening. So you'll say something happened and you'll say, this is because of so-and-so. And I think that is so important because you are teaching as you are telling, which is one of the best ways that, that we can learn, you know, you're teaching from real life experience, and then you're basing 
FASD knowledge on that. So I love the style of how you wrote your book. So before we dive into the accomplice, let's just start with, can you share your family's journey and what brought you to being a mom of teens, kids, teens, young adults with FASD to this force of nature that you are in FASD advocacy? Yes. And I want to just go back a little bit by what you said about teaching from my experience. What you just experienced was the way I raised my children. Even though they may not understand the consequences of their actions, we would have those moments and I would explain to them what just happened and maybe a good choice or uh, life experiences of how they can navigate through it. And even though they may not always remember after repetition, repetition, they would somewhat understand it, even though, you know, as in the FASD world is not understanding consequences, after repetition, it becomes habit. So um, my style of writing is probably the way, it's my style of parenting, I think. Um, so that was so interesting for you to mention that to me. And it did remind me of my mother used to always say, every time you're with your kids, you're, ter- you're, you're experiencing and teaching and they're learning. And, um, and then I tried to make it fun, you know, while raising my kids, because I really am a quirky person who takes this very seriously. And, uh, you know, but anyway, um, so back to go a little bit forward, uh, about 21 years ago, I adopted my children and um, they were the boys, um, you know, the ages were from three and a half to uh, seven years old. And um, there was no indication or understanding of FASD. I'd heard uh, about FAS, but my children did not have any physical characteristic or facial features of FAS. But as a mother's instinct, an adoptive mother's instinct, a birth mother's instinct, a mother's instinct that I believe God gives us, I noticed some developmental challenges and there were some memory problems from moment to the next, the working memories. They could talk the talk and say what everybody else needed to do, but they couldn't follow their own advice. And then there were school challenges for a few of them. And, um, and the, the few of them that had the school challenges, they were not birth related. And so I thought, wait a minute, this is not birth related. And then, um, uh, you know, I started digging deeper into what could have actually happened. And there was uh, documented uh, alcohol usage by the birth mothers. And um, then I realized bringing this information into the schools when the schools were having difficulty, um, no one knew anything about this. And I was told by a couple of the professionals, don't, uh, don't reveal any of this information because you may be ostracized and stigma taught, you know, it might be a stigma and ostracized. And, and um, that's just not the way I operate, but I wanted to protect my children. I was listening to the professionals. So I dug deeper into it and found resources in Canada. Um, again, this was 20 years ago. And I went ahead and found out what these kids needed in school. And on a field trip where I was a room parent, I sat there during lunchtime on the picnic table outside and wrote the IEP using Canada's information and showed it to my social worker. She signed off on it and we presented it to the school and they thought, wow, this is unbelievable. This would be good for every kid, but we can see there's some differences here and we're going to apply it. So thankfully, the private school that um, it was a Catholic school that um, my children attended the school, they went ahead and, and um, were able to apply this information where it was needed for a few of my children. So, and that's how the journey started with that. 
So you were advocating out of the box before you even realized it was advocating. You were just, you were creating your own IEPs for your kids. You started advocating in your kids' education. How did that grow into advocating in the community, in the state? And of course, with no fast and, and just the amazing work that you've done through these years in the FAST community. Um, well, I realized when I had tutors for my children or, or two of them, I tutored them. My mother was a school teacher. She lived next to me. She tutored them. I was able to talk to, you know, pay for a tutor within the school in the resource department. And then when my children were in school, I, the state of Georgia had a suicide prevention seminar going on for, I don't know, 10 years. And I hooked up with them for the last two years. And I started going to these seminars. And it seemed that almost there were six a year, I believe. And almost every seminar I went to, I said, that's my child. That's my, that's my child. I saw so many of the uh, many diagnoses that could fit into one of my kids' behaviors or characteristics. And then I was realizing that FASD was not one of their uh, topics for these seminars. So I actually um, looked up uh, um, how the state bar and where is this in the state bar? And I found Billy Edwards' name and then I contacted Billy and I used the resolution, the bar, uh, the resolution. I used that resolution to use, be a carrot uh, to get possible uh, into the um, seminars in Atlanta. And um, they were full. And within two or three weeks, they call me back and say, we had someone drop out. Can you put a program together? That was back in, I think, 2013. And, and Billy Edwards was a huge, huge uh, support for the information I needed to receive. And I didn't even know who he was, except he was an angel. So um, then I, that, I helped co-lead that. And um, then from then on, I realized we needed a proclamation for FASD Awareness Day. So in 2013, Governor Deal signed off on the proclamation. And then every year I continued. And then it was basically a snowball realizing that we didn't have the information we needed in the state of Georgia. And uh, we needed it for all those who were impacted. And from then on, then found no fast and found further information to help my kids and others who were impacted. And as a fellow mom, a fellow parent advocate, I am so thankful for those trails that you blaze. You literally blaze new trails because you were creating, we in other states were looking to you saying, look what she's doing. Look at the amazing advocacy work that she's doing. Oh my goodness, we can do this too. So you may not have realized it, but your example led to so many other dates getting saying, hey, we want to have legal conferences. We need to recognize this. We need to talk about this. And I'm very hopeful with the pending legislation, the proposed legislation, the FASD Respect Act, HR 4151 SB2238, that the advocacy work that you have done and started and that we see in all around the country that we can finally be united in that, okay, here, we need to recognize this as a diagnosable developmental disability and everything. So I am so thankful for all of the work that you've done, because I see that it has had a, a ripple effect all throughout the country. And, you know, I get to interview people from all over the world 
Um, but when I interview parent advocates from all over the country, I feel so validated as a parent who is advocating for FASD because I feel like, hey, these parents are coming together too. Hey, they're doing things too. So on behalf of all of us fairly new to the advocacy community, thank you for all of the work that you've done. And, and a little side note, we are going to have Billy Edwards and Tom Donaldson of NOFAS on FASD Hope later on in the fall to talk about their upcoming conference in November. So I'm really excited. So I'm glad you mentioned um, Billy Edwards. Billy is just such a champion for FASD and acknowledging FASD in legal and um, criminal and in, in the justice areas. So let's dive into this book now. And I showed you several times. I just a post-it note, so many areas. And I think I even have like highlighted areas where I'm like, yes, aha, you know, just, it's almost like you wrote this book. You're talking to the parent. Honestly, your writing is so it's personal. There are humor points in it. You know, there, there are points where you have, you just, you share, you have to laugh at something because you just, you know, it's so ridiculous. And I say that, you know, with my husband, it's like, sometimes you just, all you can do is laugh because, you know, otherwise you'll cry. So what led you to write your book and um, how was the writing process for you? Because writing a book I've learned is, is like, it's, <laughs> I've never physically given birth to a child, but I've heard a lot of people say it really is like you're, you're giving birth to a part of you that's been inside of you for a long time. So explain your motivation and the process in writing the, the accomplice. Well, thank you for thanking me, but I actually was on the coattails of so many people and experts that have been doing this and has dedicated their professions to this. And I basically tried to breathe in every amount of every amount of research that they've done to understand it, to apply it to my children and others who are impacted to help them. So um, I'm almost was on their coattails, and I think of, I'm on their coattails, swinging from left to right as they're running, and I'm going over here and over here, and then trying to laser focus on how I could make a difference in the state of Georgia and in the lives of those impacted. So when it came to writing a book, I resisted. I, I did the proclamations. Uh, Billy had me, um, you know, I presented with him in Missouri and in New Orleans and, and met some incredible experts. And I, I just felt so honored to be in the same company as these people who were devoting their lives to it. And, uh, you know, to me, I just felt so elevated by them and what they knew about FASD. Um, in order to actually tell my story, I, you know, at times I was like, I am not worthy. I am not worthy. This is just how it is, you know, as a mom and trying to help your, your children and young adults. But anyway, so I really resisted and, and just a very quick story. I was down at, I was um, at an organization, a religious, org a religious church that asked me to come to support um, someone who was presenting on disabilities. So I went in and, and um, they were trying to bring awareness to disability. FASD was not really known. And something happened. I guess one of the presenters wasn't there. And they asked me to come up and they asked me to do an impromptu, just a quick presentation. I wasn't prepared. I went ahead and said, oh, my gosh, yeah, OK, I'll tell my story real quick. So 
Um, months later, I was at the state of Georgia, at the state capitol for another, um, they were doing some uh, support, disability support at the state capitol. And I was eating, eating my lunch in the cafeteria. And I don't really make a habit of being there, but this was, you know, once a year I would go there. A man came up to me and said, I saw you speak. Your story touched me. You have to write a book. This came out of nowhere. So my mother who told me to write a book, I've been told to tell my story and I really didn't know how I was going to do this. But because I had done so many presentations, written proclamations, done whatever I could, I felt like, okay, I will write a book. I will try to, to bring awareness. And if the story that I have to share will make a difference, then this is what I'm going to do. God help me. God just helped me do this. So that is really how the book came about is, and, and, and because I went through and my children went through so much through the years and I had to write a folder or a binder and I kept very good notes. The book was already written. It was a timeline of many of the issues that I had already tried to help my children through their crisis. And I had to write it all down because I couldn't keep track of it all at the same time. So I put that timeline together this is why it is so specific and detailed in the book, because it truly is the way it happened. It is, it is truly the reality of the situation when I was writing. Um, and that was because I was a really good note taker. And I can relate to that because when our son was very, very young, when we brought him home, he was two and a half weeks old and had quite a few medical conditions that were related we found out connected the dots were related to his FASD diagnosis. Um, we kept fastidious notes and, and I've talked to many parent advocates who say, yeah, we have journals of, of folders and notebooks of note taking from specialists, specialists, that kind of thing. So I, I agree. I think that as parents, caregivers, we do have to take notes and keep notes and everything, because those are the things that we look at to better advocate for our kids. A fellow mom advocate, Sandra Flack, who just wrote a book also, Orphans No More, A Journey Home to the Father, she told me, and, and I like saying this because I think it applies to me, and I think it, this applies to you, that God downloaded the book in me, and it was right. in me. I just needed to write it. And, right. and it sounds like that's how well, you know, he worked in you. Right. What's interesting also is that... Um, Again, I resisted writing the book because it was so busy. I'm like, how am I going to do this? And the book was not cathartic or therapeutic. It was very traumatic because I was revisiting things that had happened in 2012 and 2013 and then up to 2015. And as I was writing it and reliving all of this, I was continuing to live through the chaos of what would the present of what was going on with my adult children, trying to get through that. And then I'd get to take a break and go write the book. Okay, so that was the, you know, so it wasn't cathartic, it wasn't therapeutic, but now it has become more therapeutic and cathartic to meet those people that it's helping and to hear the stories of other parents who have experienced the same thing and that this book is giving them the support they need. The other thing I wanted to mention, and, and, and this is going in line with what you just said, um, someone from the clergy recently said to me, who has a copy of the book, said, how did you do this? Who was your ghostwriter? And I said, the Holy Spirit Amen. and, and truly, yeah. I don't know how it was written mm -hmm. and how these words came, you know, again, it was on the timeline, but to put it together truly was an act of faith. Amen. I don't know how else to say it because I did resist writing it 
And I prayed a lot about it. So truly the ghost writer was the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love that, Melissa. And that ties into our next question. You and I both are women of faith. We know that God orchestrates everything in our lives. There is no such thing as coincidences. Let's talk about your faith through this incredible journey of parenting now young adults, adults with an FASD. What have you learned about your faith in, in this journey? It's never ending. Uh, and when I, uh, got into the darkest moments, I relied on my faith. And when I felt as though my faith, I didn't feel like it was wavering, but at times it was frail and I needed that support. And one of those supports that came forward was Dr. Carl, the late Dr. Carl Bell. Um, he wrote a book that he was not able to promote it. And I wanted to mention this. I dedicated part of, I've dedicated my book to three people. One of them was Dr. Carl Bell. He passed away, um, two years ago in August, my mother passed away two months after he passed away. And those are two people that I continued writing my book and finishing it with her picture on one side of me and the cover of his book on the other. Um, Dr. Bell had faith and he mentioned the word hope in his book. Now, would I have ever thought that through our conversations? Yeah, there was an email and a call that we talked about, but we didn't talk about our spiritual faith. It was just evident by what we were trying to do to help others. And there is where faith and action is so important. Um, so Dr. Bell, when, again, when I felt frail in those times and those moments that I thought, okay, God, what do I do now? Someone like Dr. Bell uh, was there with his book. And I didn't read his book until after he passed. And I was in the middle of writing my book and I didn't tell him I was writing a book. We just supported each other in our advocacy. And uh, of course, Billy Edwards was, a mainstay there for both of us and his work. So um, um, faith was hugely important and my prayer life was hugely important. And my children were all instilled in prayer. And I would say to them, though you're not praying for yourself right now and I'm praying for you, you gotta pray for yourself because you can't rely all the time on other people praying for you. Um, but also the other mention is I would Say to God, God, I don't know what to do with this moment. Can you take this for me? Because I need to just catch my breath and rest while I help someone else or help my other child or help this young adult. Please take this from me because I don't know what to do. Amen. And I will come back to this. Amen. Amen. I've said those words so many times too, Melissa. And I'm so thankful that you're sharing this because so often on this journey, we feel so alone and so broken. You know, especially when there's a new stage, you know, when just when you think, OK, I've gotten over this stage. Hey, here's a new stage. And, and oh, my goodness. So just your faith and the way you shared it in your book is so beautiful and such a reminder that that we are not alone on this journey. So I am just so thankful again for you sharing this. So I, I can't say enough. Your book inspired me in so many ways. It was such an inspiration to me. Um, and again, like I said earlier, you share and then you teach. You find the teachable moments in those journeys, even in the painful parts of those journeys. So you teach as well as sharing your journey. 
Um, what can you share with our listeners are the biggest takeaways that you want them to know from your book? Um, one of the biggest takeaways is, and, and I, I say this with all seriousness, is that I continue to say that my book is just the intro to an incredible forward. The forward was written by Dr. Larry Bird and William Edwards. Um, their forward is a huge teaching moment that intros, you know, the, the forward begins the book. But again, I continue to say to them and others, uh, my book is the intro to the forward. The forward is amazing. And, and hearing Dr. Bird speak and Billy speak, they have their lived experiences that they share in their presentations, which is, is uh, similar to the way in which I've written my book. So um, one of the takeaways of this book is that forward. And the people who did the praise for the book, I remember Billy said, you, you know, the, my publisher said, you got to get praises for the book. I said, just, I just wrote the book. I just want it out there to share. And Billy said, oh, I'll get praises for the book, you know, and um, he put it out there and boom, they came in. So those people who wrote the praise for the book, all incredible experts, all people who understand um, those who are impacted by developmental disabilities. And I am just so incredibly privileged and honored to have those people and their words in the front of that book before the book begins. Um, the takeaway for me, besides that, which it was so, again, I, I am just so honored and privileged to have those people in this book, is that the book is my children, two of my children encouraged me to write this book. They said, mom, we need help for what we went through and we don't want anyone to go through what we went through. So they really encouraged the writing of the book or I wouldn't have written it. Um, but also the parents and the caregivers, those who um, might, have, might feel alone, this is support for them. Um, this is support for those impacted directly by FASD and to bring more awareness so that the person who's reading it, who may not even know what FASD is and reads it, they will have a real good indication of what this is and possibly relate to someone in their lives that could be impacted. And now they know and they can help them. Absolutely. And again, I cannot sing enough praises for your book, Melissa. It, it, it also, you know, it's, it, I, reading it, I didn't want to put it down many times, you know, because the way you write and the way you share your, your journey and, and your family's journey is just so compelling. It really draws you in. So I am just so thrilled to be able to, to talk with you about your book and also about the amazing advocacy work that you've done and the lives that you've touched. So Melissa, again, can you share with our audience how they can get your book, how they can learn more about your book, and um, also just any important advocacy uh, nuggets that you want to share, you know, things coming up or events, anything that you think is important. I want to give you a platform to share before we end our episode on a hope takeaway. Okay. A couple things I wanted to mention, uh, and then hopefully I'll remember what you just asked me, um, on the cover of the book, their birch tree. I didn't know what the cover was going to be. And the publisher said, well, we can design a cover. I said, no, I, I think I'm, I've, I've got to figure this one out. And I actually prayed about it and slept on it and woke up and knew it was gonna be a forest of birch trees. 
FASD are branches. They're the letters and they're branches hidden in the birch tree forest on the cover of that book because FASD is the hidden invisible disability. There are also two sets of angel wings on that cover of the book. Now, the person who uh, I had paint the cover of that book and he is self-taught artist and began to paint as therapy. So when I asked him if he could do this and we talked about it, um, that's how I came up with the cover. And it wasn't until after the publisher saw the cover and said, this is it. And we incorporated it into the title of the accomplice. Did I look up the birch tree forest, which represents stability, adaptability, regeneration. And that is the birch forest. They are the caregivers and the angels are the support for the caregivers who the caregivers are supporting through the birch forest of stability. And the branches that grow off those trees are those who need our stability. So that book cover has so much meaning. It all came through a prayer. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that the book is 33 chapters. I had no idea it was going to be 33 chapters. And it wasn't until the book continued and I kept, it kept breaking into more chapters till I finally finished it. And it was 33 chapters. I'm thank the Lord. It's, it's done. And then someone brought it to my attention, this, the, the significance of 33. And so those people who are listening to this can look that up. Um, the book is, is um, the publisher with BookLogix. They have it, but Amazon has it. Um, and you can actually click on the book, Melissa Jacoba, The Accomplice, and click on it. And you can read the foreword and read up until the first two chapters without even purchasing the book. So, um, and also it includes a dedication, which includes Dr. Bell, the late Dr. Carl Bell's book. So there's so much information you can just get by clicking on it without even purchasing it. But, um, you know, th that to me is really important that that information is out there um, for anyone to read. Um, and, and I hope I, what, what you had asked me, anything else I needed to tell you about the book. Um, I would say no fast has been amazing. Tom Donaldson and um, the group there, and they have events and, and Jen Wisdall is so incredible about making sure everyone knows uh, where these events are. As for me, I, I'll be, I, I'm uh, supposed to be at a, an event in Arkansas and hopefully it's still gonna happen. I know it'll happen virtually. And uh, I don't know, wherever God's gonna lead me on his path is where I'll be. Amen. Amen. Oh, I love talking to you and anyone who's listening, Melissa will be back in 2022 because I just, <laughs> I truly enjoy and I feel so connected with her. And as we've shared so much in this, this podcast, you know, when you meet fellow parents, or if you are a person living with an FASD and you meet another self-advocate, when somebody is on the same journey as you, maybe they're up ahead or maybe they're behind. There's that just immediate connection. And I personally feel that the Lord has placed these people in our lives, just like Melissa said, as angels, as supports, as helpers, as just people to listen to. So I am just so thankful to call Melissa, my new friend. And, and definitely, again, you have to read the book to get this reference, but military precision style helicopter mom. And I'm going to own that because Melissa owned that. And I just love that. So, you know, Melissa and 
first of all, before we end, thank you so much for being on FASD Hope. And I pray that this book gets into the hands of so many family members. We know millions of families who have been touched by FASD. If, if this book can get into, you know, I pray many, but even it's touched me, you know, it's touched people that have read it. I know other people who have read it and, and just acknowledge the incredible journey and the incredible contribution that you have shared and made in this book. I like to end our episodes on hope takeaways. Uh, we know FASD and hope, they don't usually go together in, in most conversations, but we want to change that. I know you want to change that. I want to change that. What are some words of hope that you can give listeners who are on this journey um, that they can take away and they can keep in their hearts? Um, you know, when you say that, I'm thinking hope is huge for me. And it's been my, it's been huge with um, bringing awareness and also writing this book, but also uh, the momentum is very great right now with uh, the legislation and with the people that are surround, surround yourselves with those who are hopeful. And um, Dr., the late Dr. Bell had said to me, and I, and I mentioned this in my book when I dedicated, did a dedication to him. He expressed to me, the truth is the light, so continue to have hope. And he continued to encourage the advocacy. And hope has, has been my driving force with faith and action. Um, so um, again, the momentum is great. Don't give up hope, continue to have faith and action. And uh, I am so, so thankful that uh, to be invited on this podcast and to meet my new friend, Natalie. Um, and the other thing I do wanna mention is, uh, you know, you think about a mother's instincts or a parent's instincts, I say they're God instincts and we have to pay attention. You say, you know, pay attention to your gut instincts, your intuition, pay attention to your God instincts, your God intuition. And to me, that is what has given me hope when all things seemed to be helpless. The hope was there through those God instincts. Amen. Melissa Jacobus, you will be back in 2022 <laughs> and I am just going to recommend this book to everyone I speak to because, and I'm going to look at the cover now because I'm going to find it's almost like a, oh my goodness. Now it's a challenge. Now I'm going to look at it because it's a beautiful cover. It's artistic, but knowing the symbolism behind the cover of the book, oh my goodness, I, I'm, I'm going to have my daughter help me find, <laughs> find FASD and find those angels. Melissa Jacobus, thank you for being on FASDO. You are welcome and thank you. And they're in the upper third. It's in the upper third. I, I'm, I'm gonna, little... As soon as we end this episode, I'm going to start looking. Yeah. Oh my anyway, thank you so much for inviting me. It has been just such a privilege to be on here. And um, uh, those parents and caregivers and educators that are listening always have hope. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Becchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us again next week and remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.